Talk 104.1. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Nick Reed. It's Veterans Day, and we are having free breakfast for veterans. That's right. I noticed I saw some folks that had, oh, way too late. I saw some folks that were posting on social media, oh, here's places where you can get discounts if you're a veteran, and here's a place where you can get free this if you're a veteran, and so forth. And, um, you know, every month or so, here at Scramblers, we've got our partners, and, and we do just that. And so we've lined it up with Veterans Day today. That means if you're a veteran, you come by until 9 a.m. Serenity Honors, Delta Roofing, Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, and Scramblers buying you breakfast. So we'd love for you to come out. And not just on this Veterans Day, but encourage you to always you know, listen, check in, follow us on social media so we can give you a heads up anytime that we are going to do the what we call Heroes Breakfast, and of course we've got that going on today. Uh, there is a chance for flurries, even snow in the forecast. A look at that in moments. Jason Ryman now with the latest news. Ozark County voters passed a law enforcement sales tax Tuesday, giving the county another $400,000 to fix the jail, add more deputies and patrols. The sheriff had to cut patrols this summer because of the budget. The extra money will let the county hire more jailers and deputies right away, there will also be better coverage at night. Also today, a Missouri-based company is the exclusive distributor for a product used to deter thieves with a cloud of fog. Density USA will install its first anti-theft fogging devices next week. Its founder says the product has been in use internationally for the past 10 years and is activated when a potential thief breaks in. It takes about 45 minutes for the fog to dissipate. Chris Maslin reporting. Drought conditions are getting better across the Ozarks thanks to some much-needed rain, but the National Weather Service says crop and pasture losses continue and reservoirs are still below normal. Joplin and Lamar are dealing with extreme drought. Severe drought is still a problem from Ashgrove to Fairgrove, Bolivar, Stockton, Greenfield, and Mount Vernon. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is recommending his state increase public school funding as he prepares to leave office. Hutchinson recommended... The state increased public school funding over the next two years by $550 million. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk 1041. And the first alert forecast uh, we got some rain. It should be tapering off if it hasn't already for most of the listening area. And the clouds are expected to burn off later today, leaving us with mostly sunny skies, a high of 37. Isolated flurries tonight. Low of 25, 40 tomorrow, though the wind chill could be 16 at times, so clearly there'll be a wind factor in there. Sunny, 46 on Sunday, and then we'll go ahead and look into Monday because there are a chance of afternoon showers that could turn to snow overnight Monday night with a low of 28. Hey, everyone, it's Tom Marks. Hey, good morning. How do you do, sir? Did it... it, it... It is now to the point where, with this weather, it determines whether or not you're serious about riding bike or not. Oh, this the this, wimps get on the trainers indoors. The rest of us bundle up. And this separates outside. the bikers from the cyclists, or I don't know, something or, like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not um, part of that world in any way, shape, or form. So, 
I, I really couldn't think of anything clever enough to like what would what if there is a word or a term for people that are just, I guess fair weather bikers. I, 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 I made this discovery last year though. You know those little hand warmers that you buy that uh-huh. are like, yay big. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they actually fit in the archway of your feet. Oh, well, so I, as long you, as you don't have flat feet. So basically when you are when you put your shoes on to go bike riding because uh-huh. you've got the clipless pedals, you put one of those heater things underneath your archway, and so while you're riding, it warms up your whole shoe and your feet don't freeze. One, um, one Thanksgiving. I ought to patent that idea before someone else yeah, steals it from me. One Thanksgiving vacation, um, my brother and I and my buddy Damon Grau and, and a friend Rachel Smith, we all decided we were going to go visit um, my dad and stepmom siblings that were living uh, outside of Nashville. And it was snowing and everything, and the heater went out in the car. And we stopped at, uh, I think it was a Walmart, and cleaned them out of those things. And we that's what we used to keep ourselves warm. <laughs> I mean, we had boxes of them. We were just shoving them down our pants and in our sweaters and it was a miserable drive it was when i was we at, made it though when i was at tech school at lowry air force base we were at the garden of the gods or whatever that's called over there in outside of denver and the heater went out in my buddy's yeah. monte carlo on the drive back to denver and it was like in december when we went up there oh, yeah. i think by the time we got back it, we were nothing but popsicles because mm. you had to keep rolling down the windows to get air to keep them from fogging up Yep. Which makes yep. it even worse. Yep. Well, and, and, of course, I was in college um, at the time, so we, none of us had And this was money. before those things were invented, so oh, there was yeah, no yeah. stopping at convenience stores. But we had one, and, and what happened, actually, I found at one point, there was an electrical fire in the steering column, and it melted out. So the wipers quit working, and one of the, because we had the windows, like you were saying, you had to roll them down, keep, then they got stuck down because they were electrical. I'm telling you, it was... The, how we even got there alive, I don't know. And I kid you not, we were maybe two blocks from my dad's house and a belt broke on the car. And, I mean, we made it, uh, almost made it all the way there, but finally had to pull over because uh, the belt got thrown. <laughs> and it was something else. All right, well, let's get a traffic update. We'll uh, kick things off here in the hour with our good friend Tom Martz from Scramblers. Veterans Day, Heroes Breakfast. I'm Nick Reed. I've- You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Um, my name is Nick Reed. Hey, it's Tom Arts with us this morning at Scramblers. We are going to start today's date in history with world affairs. Okay. 1973, the oh, Soviet Union um, refuses to play Chile in World Cup soccer. Okay, really showed them. The Soviet Union announced that because of its opposition to the recent overthrow... Of the government of Chilean President Salvador Allende, it would not play a World Cup soccer match against the Chilean team on November the 21st. There was an insurrection in Chile, and look what happened. And Chile's like, we're still around. That's right. You're not Soviet Union. In 1988, authorities unearthed a corpse buried in the lawn of 59-year-old Dorothea Puente's home in Sacramento, California. Puente operated a residential home for elderly people. It was that people. far back? What year was this? 88. I don't know why. I, th- I thought it was maybe in the 90s. Uh, I, I remember this because we actually lived in, we lived in California because yeah. Michael was born in 88. It, these were, they were tenants, that, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 
real classy lady. <laughs> well, she was she was a little bit better than Jeffrey Dahmer. At yeah. least she buried them and let them go back right. to the earth instead of she sort of them yeah, and, completed the whole cycle. Nate Turner is executed in Virginia in 1831. He is the leader of a bloody revolt of enslaved people in Southampton County, Virginia. He is hanged in Jerusalem, the county seat, on November 11th of 1831. He is an enslaved man, an educated minister, who believed he was chosen by God to lead his people out of slavery. Okay. Apparently somebody forgot to tell God that he was supposed well, to be the leader. Hey, maybe God is like, you know what? Come on home. Well, that could be yeah. true. Maybe, maybe like he you've decided done good to work. use him as a martyr. Yeah, you've done good work. Come home. Now, in 1921, three years after the end of World War I, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is dedicated at Arlington Cemetery in Virginia during an Armistice Day ceremony presided over by President Warren G. Hardy. And let's see, in 1778, poor leadership leads to a the uh, Cherry Valley Massacre. The Patriot Colonel Ichabod, that's a name you don't hear anymore. No, let's bring it back. Ichabod Alden refuses to believe in intelligence about an approaching hostile force. As a result, a combined force of loyalists and Native Americans attacking in the snow killed more than 40 patriots, including Aiden, and took a bunch hostage and took over the Cherry Valley area. I wonder why he refused to believe it. Was he just like, yeah, I don't trust Frank. Frank's always blowing things out of proportion. Well, maybe he said, you know, the FBI doesn't have a really good track record here. So, <laughs> And last but not least, at the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, the Great War ends. Mm. At 5 a.m., Germany, befrit of manpower and supplies and faced with imminent invasion, signed an armistice agreement with the Allies in a railroad car outside of Compay, France. The First World War left 9 million soldiers dead and 21 million wounded, with Germany, Russia, Austria, Hungary, France, and Great Britain, each losing nearly a million or more lives. In addition, at least 5 million civilians died from disease, starvation, or exposure. Since uh, the beginning of time, we really have done a good job of killing each other. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> And a lot of people don't remember that the whole reason this whole deal got started was because of the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Ferdinand, mm -hmm. yeah. Sometimes it just takes one little act on one day. And to continue on, the quote of the day is by H.L. Mencken. In war, the heroes always outnumber the soldiers ten to one. Okay. I don't know if I know what that means. I don't either. Okay. But I did. I did. I was doing a little research on how. I feel like uh, that's a quote I'd see when I die on Call of Duty. <laughs> While somebody's screaming at the TV, yeah. I told you to go right, you dummy. I do missions. I, I don't play online. I never got into any of those games. I enjoy them. I don't play them like I used to. Um, back well one. When I didn't do mornings, don't have a child, you know, so just stay up 
late at night and um, you could play hours on end, but life isn't like that for me anymore. Maybe once every couple of weeks on a Friday or Saturday. And so I have the latest Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, and I've a ways into it, but I like the mission stuff. I like the sense of completion. Uh, that's what I like. I don't. I don't like the open world stuff. Uh, I, I don't like playing people online just for points. And I, I love missions, storylines. Here's the beginning. Here's the middle. Here's the end. I finished it. Closure. That's what I like. See, I started watching my son, and there was uh, I forget what he was doing, but he ended up getting killed. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to life, and I went, yeah. you know, that's not how that works. Well, yeah. <laughs> Number one in real life. And secondly, when I was a kid, that's not how that works. You would play Mario or Contra or uh, any of you know those games for seven hours, and you are at le- you know I mean you're towards the end and you lose that last life. It's a no. There's no saving a game. You go right There's back a, you to the beginning, the very beginning. That is a. I always think to myself, it's a sign of times where I, growing up as a child, always heard about the hardships of, you know, parents and grandparents. Like, when I was a kid and walking to school and all that stuff. And for me, it's like, when I was a kid, you couldn't save your video game. You had to sit there and keep playing it until you beat it. And Pac-Man was a blood sport. (laughs) Scramblers this morning, it is Veterans Day. We got free breakfast for veterans out here. Our Heroes Breakfast, sponsored by Serenity Honors, Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical, and Delta Roofing, and, of course, Scramblers. You have till 9 a.m. to come out and get that free breakfast with us as we broadcast live. I'm Nick Reed from Scramblers, the Friday Roadshow sponsored by Affordable Towing. More coming up in moments. Your voice is needed. The American people have to pull their heads out of their keisters. Now more than ever. And start thinking like responsible Americans. Springfield's Talk 104. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Broadcasting live from Scramblers. We do the uh, Heroes Breakfast out of your veterans. You get to meet all sorts. There's uh, one here and we're told uh, 101 years old. What or which division do they say that? Hundred first, hundred first. Yeah, I think Annie was one hundred one. Yeah, and, and all the way up to the Battle of the Bulge. It's pretty. That's history right yep. there. Tom Art's with us this morning. Hey, the United States Congress officially recognized the end of World War One when it passed a concurrent resolution on June the fourth, nineteen twenty eight, with these words. Whereas the 11th of November 1918 marked the cessation of the most destructive, sanguinary, and far-reaching war in human annals and the resumption of the people of the United States of peaceful relations with other nations, which we hope we may never again be severed. That would be uh, effective for 30 years. Whereas it is fitting that the recurring anniversary of this date should be commemorated with thanksgiving and prayer, and exercises what happened to separation of church and state well that's clearly right we need politifact to get on this that's right and exercises designed Missing to perpetuate peace through goodwill and mutual understanding between nations and whereas the legislatures of 27 of our states have already declared november 11th to be a legal holiday Therefore, be it resolved by the Senate, the House of Representatives, concurring that the President of the United States is requested to issue a proclamation calling upon the officials to display the flag of the United States on all government buildings on November 11th 
and inviting the people of the United States to observe the day in schools and churches or other suitable places with appropriate ceremonies of friendly relations with all other peoples. Then there was an act that was in 52 stat 351.5 U.S. Code Section 87A, which was approved on May the 13th of 1938, which made the 11th of November in each year a legal holiday. It was first known as Armistice Day. It was primarily a day set aside to honor veterans of World War I, but in 1954, after World War II had required the greatest mobilization of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen in the nation's history after American forces had fought aggression in Korea, the 83rd Congress, at the urging of veterans' service organizations, amended the Act of 1938 by striking out the word armistice and inserting in its place the word veterans with the approval of this legislation public law 380 on june the 1st of 1954 november the 11th became a day to honor american veterans of all wars dwight d eisenhower signed that all right and then here we are today and here we are today let's talk elections oh yeah we we had some I know. That's right. I was watching Still two underway. of them Still. specifically. <laughs> yes. I was watching District 125 here in the state. Okay. 125 was a, it was a, Dane Deal was the Republican. Mm-hmm. Robert Smith was the Libertarian. Okay. There was no Democrat in that area. It's up by Nevada. Oh, okay? all right. There's two of them that I was watching because I was kind of curious on whether or not the people who were voting were going to vote party, or were they going to okay. vote the people who have actually been involved in making things right, happen right. at a local level? Well, in District 125, Dane, for all purposes and accounts, crushed Robert 86% to 13%. Robert's been very active on the local yeah. level and the state level. You know, trying to get good legislation passed. He goes up to Jefferson City quite a bit. He's kind of pretty good. He's he's known in Nevada. I'm not too sure about outside sure. the area of Nevada. So you've got an individual who isn't, by all accounts, is an establishment Republican, who his voting record will probably be no better than Lincoln Huff's here in our yeah. area. And if it is, I will come back and tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not holding out any hope. And he absolutely crushes the Libertarian candidate. Now, in District 10, in the Senate seats, we had Travis Fitzwater, a Republican, up against Catherine Dreyer, a Libertarian, no Democrat. Catherine was very involved in the Republican Party uh, and even through the Ron Paul movement. And then she decided, well, wait a minute, the Republican Party's no longer about freedom or right. liberty. Or she finally woke up to figure out that the Republican Party wasn't about freedom and liberty. So she decided to go into the Libertarian Party. Fitzwater voted for the tax increase. Fitzwater's also been a person who is well known for following the establishment. Mm-hmm. He and Lincoln could be buddies. That's right. how closely they're related. She got... 12,800 votes for 
got 44,000 for 77 percent. I so um, we live in a state, and where this isn't the only state that this occurs, where Democrats. Speaking of Lincoln Huff, uh, you will have Democrats who live in an area that Republicans win by tremendous margins. And so the the conventional wisdom is you cannot win as a Democrat. So they will run as a Republican. And uh, but then, you know, tax increases they support. They push for expanded government and so forth. Maybe libertarians should do the same thing. Run as Republicans. But then once they get in there, actually vote for smaller government, lower taxes. I think in reality, if you look at Mike Moon's yes. ideology, yeah. he is more yeah. aligned. Well, actually, I'll take that back. He is more aligned with the Republican Party platform. Yes, agreed. Which uh-huh. pretty much makes him a libertarian. Right. More so than any person up in Jefferson City. And look at the way he's treated. <laughs> You know, he gets basically pushed into a broom closet and told to shut up. We don't need your kind up here. We're going to uh, put you on probation because you dared to wear suspenders on the the, the floor. Overalls. Overalls, yeah, that's what they were. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know at what point in time that the rules for the Senate came about. But if you think about it, there would have been a time that the people who served would have been up there in right, overalls. overalls. Yeah. Now, they may have had a tie on, uh-huh. but they were wearing overalls or and probably work boots. Yeah. And then you also had the uh, Chuck Ferguson was well known for wearing those. Uh, you have a bolo? Yeah, he had a yeah. bolo. <laughs> and he had to fight to, to get, get to that it. to be recognized as a tie. <laughs> We got Tom Arts with us. We're going to get a traffic update here. We're halfway through our Heroes Breakfast on Veteran Day, Veterans Day, nine till 9 o'clock you have to get out here if you're a veteran. Get that free breakfast. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. I think that was it. Talking about the uh, dress code in the Missouri State Senate. Text message asking, are hooded sweatshirts allowed, a.k.a. Fetterman? I guess he wouldn't make it in the Missouri Senate anyway. But U.S. Senate, however. Well, I've actually seen photos of Fetterman as the lieutenant governor, and he did, is in a suit and tie. So oh, so he wasn't one of the people So then. I think maybe what he was trying to do is he was re- trying to relate to what's considered the Democrat middle class in Pennsylvania. People don't realize, I mean, I grew up there, so... Pennsylvania predominantly has always been a Democrat right. area. It's been very unionized. You got steel mills. Mm-hmm. You've got the uh, you got the shipping port area and navy down in Philadelphia area. That type of stuff. So it's been hoodie factories. Yeah, it's it's been. I mean, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Pretty much the way the state goes is the way that Philly and, and Pittsburgh goes. But then you started the the steel mills started to close down. So that took a huge chunk of that population, and may have they either moved or they got out of the thought process that, hey, I'm protected by the union, and they started voting a little bit differently. But the state itself has always been. Right. I've always thought of it as a heavy blue state. Uh, First alert forecast it is cloudy. It's going to eventually become a sunny day, only 37 for a high, though. Uh, Isolated flurries tonight, low of 25, wind chill 18, sunny 40 tomorrow, sunny 46 on Sunday, and then. 
Monday, a uh, chance of showers turning to snow potentially Monday night with a low of 28. On MSNBC, they've already floated the idea of Fetterman running for president. Kid you not. You know, that's one of those things. I had somebody, you know, they they voted they voted for a dead man in Pennsylvania, too, by the way. So it's almost like in Missouri we did the same thing with Carnahan. Right. And Pennsylvania basically, basically says, hold my beer. Not only will we vote for a dead man, but we're going to vote for a guy that you can't understand who can barely walk and for most of his life lived in his parents' basement. When he wasn't chasing down innocent black people to hold him a gun. Correct. Line. Because he thought he heard gunshots, and the first black person he saw was like, well, clearly this must be a criminal. That's the Democrat Party. I love it. Yeah, but you notice I don't ever remember. I mean, if the Republican Party at that point was smart, they kind of would have subtly made that a talking point. I wouldn't have made it. What I would have done, this is what I would have done. I would have found every black person I could have found that ever was falsely accused of being a criminal. And little vignettes tell their story and and you know unfortunately because of the bigotry you know just being a black man i was accused or i was this or i was that and then tie that into the the victim that uh was just riding his bike innocent black guy that fetterman saw held him at gunpoint because he thought he heard gunshots there were fireworks and he thought well there's a black guy he must be a criminal and uh, and held him at uh, gunpoint until law enforcement got there that's what i would have done well maybe fetterman was part of the kkk we just don't know well maybe that's I mean, the he hood. Was a democrat he likes the hoodies could very well so that be. that could be his that's probably a uh, a dog whistle i bet that's a dog whistle so he can't actually wear the clan hood so he wears a hoodie and it's the subtle way you know kind of the the uh, the secret handshake of of clansmen in pennsylvania now now you're going to have all kinds of people who are fans of the new england patriots calling you up <laughs> because bill belichick wears yeah, a hoodie well, hey, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just, it's just speculation. That's all that it is. Hey, as I understand here on a local level, the Springfield question one was voted no big time. Yeah, okay. I, this by wider margin than I had thought. I personally do not believe that I have any say on what occurs down in Galloway Station. Right. So I abstain from voting. Right. On, on that one. Though you, and you are in the city limits, and anyone Correct. in Springfield had that on the ballot, but you have and, 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 like, and it is part of the city charter. I just absolutely hate that part of the city yeah. charter. Because before zonings, cities mostly regulated what could be built through nuisance laws. So if somebody okay. built something beside you that you didn't like, you'd haul them into court. Mm-hmm. There was a case a while back, and I think it was in England, where this lady had her whole backyard set as a huge garden area and somebody came in next door and planted these gigantic trees that basically grew up and blocked all of her son so she sued the the neighbor who planted them there and the parliament or whatever it is the court system over there whatever it's called decided that the guy had to remove some of those trees because her garden was in existence prior to okay. his desire to create forest land got it so that, that was the way it was held. The first city that created zoning laws was New York City. Okay. And they did so, according to an article that I'm reading, was to make it so that the apartment complexes and stuff 
which kept getting higher and higher mm-hmm. and higher, that they would have to start filtering them down as they grew upwards mm-hmm. to make it so that you weren't in a total blocked sun area. Personally, and I know people disagree with me, but whether you voted yes or whether you voted no for question one, you basically have allowed the government to reign supreme over private property. We're either going to regulate it via zoning. Okay, so one way or the other. One way or the other, you're going to get, or we're going to unregulate it because we can change the zoning at any point in time you want. I have always been a firm advocate if people wanted to, if government wanted to regulate something the government actually has the authority to regulate, it's the roads. The roads are public use. The roads are owned by the people. Private property is not owned by the people. Unless it's government property, then that's owned by the people. When that gentleman purchased that property down there in Galloway Station, he becomes the owner of it lock, stock, and barrel. And I know I've got people on, at Galloway neighborhood just screaming sure, at me right no, now yeah. on the other side of the airways. But it's not a fun issue. It, it's it's not. Because <laughs> I don't like I don't like property. They're never. I, fun. I would love to see. I mean, they, if you think about it, government has the capacity, or government believes it has the capacity to zone private property because they say the people gave it to them. Well, I can't find anywhere in New York City where the people gave them any authority to zone it. They just decided to pass an ordinance. Everybody acquiesced to it, and all of a sudden you've got zoning, and it became a dominant issue across the, across the country afterwards. Are, are you surprised by the margin in which it passed or failed passed? Not really. Which way. Uh, why, do you, why do you think it was... I think it was around 75%. Because I think, and and I absolutely, if you look at all the people that supported, yes. Mm -hmm. I told my wife the other night, I said, it absolutely befuddles my mind that I'm almost in agreement with the people that I usually am in disagreement with Mm -hmm. 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. But to me, private property is private property is private property. I was more surprised, or I shouldn't say I wasn't surprised, I was kind of you know, the smoking ban is no different. Mm-hmm. The the people in the city of Springfield went to the ballot box to tell bar owners and restaurant owners, we own your property, basically. We're going to tell you that it must be a smoke-free establishment. It prevents Bill here. If he wanted to open up this facility as a yeah. smoking facility, he couldn't do it. Why? Because the citizens used their democracy mob rule and said we're not going to allow you to do that and the people again have done that with this property in my opinion sure because of the way Mm -hmm. i look at things private property is private property now if the road down to galloway station was zoned residential and in order for them to put something different on it the city would have to manipulate the road in some manner to make it allow for more traffic and those types of things, they'd be less likely to do that to allow that development to go down there than they would to just go, oh, okay, no biggie. You yeah. know, we've got an area that uh, the roads can't handle 500 cars an hour or can't handle 100 cars, whatever it is, and you create a, a zoning ordinance based on the structure of the road that you're on instead of what i can and cannot do with my private property i I think also of course the the majority of people who vote on an issue like that 
aren't really truly immersed in all of the facts and opinion. You know what I mean? They're, they're just sort of outside observers. Um, and so I think that there were three things that worked in favor of those who wanted to stop the project. I think, one, it did have a David versus Goliath feel to a, just an, an observer who didn't have a direct connection to it. They saw people who lived there up against the city and those that have, I think, in the minds of many, become sort of crony. You know, you get the universities, you have the Chamber of Commerce. It's these same players, these big organizations. And so I, I think that a lot of people sympathize because they're like, here we go again. Uh, I also think that the tactic that was used for those who wanted to move forward with the development, that this is going to be a precedent and that if this happens, then businesses are going to stop coming to spring. I don't think people bought that. I, I don't. I think people saw this as a unique situation. I don't think people believed that all of the sudden, every single time that a development is going to occur, people are going to go through all of the effort and spend all of the time that the Galloway neighborhood folks have in order to... So I don't think they believed that that was going to happen. And three, most people, I think, are at least familiar with Galloway. And they think, it's pretty, it's nice. And while there have been some development that's occurred, they, they're comfortable with the way that it is. And, and so... Those three things, I think, worked against people who wanted the development to occur. See, I think I lived here for about five years before I even heard or understood what Galloway yeah, was. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. had somebody invite me down. There used to be a bar down there. There still is. Oh, there is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And got we got the best tuna we, steak. We, we had a meeting in there, and, and I, when I went well, down there. I don't know which bar you're talking about. But I anyway, don't either, but okay. it was there one used of those deals. Because you go down there, you think, wow, this is a really cool area. It's kind of like a... It's a hidden it gem. It is, yeah, it is. It's really neat. In the, it, in no, the it city of Springfield. Is. But now, as you continue west on what is that Lone Pine that goes down that yeah, way, uh -huh. you've got that god awful ugly uh, it makes, business complex with apartments in it. So yeah, I, it, it, for, to me, it has a Breckenridge feel. I don't know why. To me, I, I don't know why it just has that feel. Like in Colorado? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 it does. I just always have thought that. I, I feel like I'm in Breckenridge. Because yeah. as, you, as you drive down through there and you've got all the, the quaint little, it's back in the 40s, 50s, uh -huh. 60s yeah. time frame. And then as you come out the other side, you look at this monstrosity and go, well, how did that get have built you, here? <laughs> are you, so are you talking about the bar before that? The, yeah, it the, was, the bar was, that was, was called... in that downtown area by the creek. Okay, yeah. That I think it's a downtown That's not area. there anymore. I, I used to have a T-shirt from it, and then I spilt, I got a stain on it, and I was really mad because then they closed. I couldn't get another. Yeah, because I think it was called something pub. I don't even, Creekside? No, I don't even remember what it was called now. But, yeah, we had, we but had out a back there. there was the creek, and, you know, yes. they, yeah, and they would, uh, across from the creek up on the hill, they had a stage, and bands would perform up there. Oh. And it was, I'd never been there at night. It was only during, no, that's not true. I had been there during the night. I just hazy memories sometimes. Yeah, Tom yeah, Arts yeah, with yeah. us more in moments. Traffic update. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey everyone, it's Tom Arts. First city to experiment with zoning laws was none other than San Francisco. Well, San Francisco does like to experiment. Now get this. In 1885, the city banned public laundries from most areas, a not-so-subtle attempt to zone the Chinese out. 
Democrat-run cities. That law was invalidated by a 1886 Supreme Court Supreme Court case in 1909. And now they now they just try to uh, um, sort of eke out Asians from the universities. Yeah, now now they probably just they zoned all that property yeah. out in Chinatown and said, okay, you can go down here like the Indians on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Maybe San Francisco did that to the Chinese too, but here, it is. You, you think about piece. it is. I mean, it's, you look at the Asian community, and then they dealt with uh, the government using zoning laws in order to uh, sort of dissipate them, and now universities use admission rules in order to sort of uh, diminish the number of Asians, which that's up before the Supreme Court currently. See, now I know a lot of this came before the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but if if you think about what occurred in the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that's not related to race, it was in essence one of the largest removal of private property rights in this country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Simply by deeming any business a public public, accommodation. You can then dictate whatever it is that you want to do. See, uh, the town that I grew up in, Pennsylvania, you had businesses on the bottom, and then you had apartments or lofts up on the the top floor or the top two floors. So they were effective in a means where you could work and Mm -hmm. you could live pretty much within walking distance of one another. And that was the way things went back in the day. But that was prior to zoning ordinances. Now try to do that, and well, you have to get approval for lofts, and we're not sure that we want a business down below. And you go to some of the places up on Commercial Street. That's the way they were built. There was a business on the bottom, and there was lofts or apartments up on the top. It was the cool way to develop a neighborhood back in the day. Well, and people, when you note the reality of that huge blow to private property and the Civil Rights Act and uh, they they recoil at that. Oh, so you think that somebody who owns a business should be able to deny service? And then if you say yes, and, and they recoil, they do too. It's just in the circumstances they agree with. Because if you say, oh, so if somebody wearing a Klan outfit wants to go uh, strolling through a black-owned business uh, and the black-owned business owner wants to ban them from it, you're saying that they should be forced to allow Klan people in there? Then of course, they would say no. Or if a gay couple who owns a, a, a bakery, uh, somebody comes in and, and demands that you make cakes with Bible verses talking about homosexuality. Be sin- oh, you think they should be forced to do that? Well, of course not. So they don't believe in that equality stuff. They don't believe in, uh, in the law forcing people to serve anyone regardless of their beliefs. They just want it to force people to accommodate their beliefs. Well, you know, also know we as people discriminate daily. Well, of course we. How, do. Ma- how many places that sell coffee do you drive by yeah. before you get to the Starbucks? And why is it some succeed and others don't? Yeah, it's because people are making discriminatory decisions. I mean, discrimination, of course, has a negative connotation to it, but it's simply a, an individual making decisions. Uh, based on preferences, personal preferences. Yeah, because most business owners are going to do what it is, especially in this day and age, they're going to do what it is that benefits their business model. And if you li- if you if you open a business in an area that's predominantly black, predominantly Hispanic, predominantly white, 
then why wouldn't you hire people who are predominantly black, predominantly Hispanic, predominantly white? Well, and, and yeah, and the fact of the matter is, even as we talk about this, and I use some hypotheticals, I saw KY3 had a story, and it was some... Was it in North Springfield? No. <laughs> But it, it was a, and it was about some new survey that was done or something, and and I forget it was surveying management or, or workers at companies. I don't remember if it was any particular industry. But what they found is that one out of five uh, companies found that they were disc- they were discouraged from hiring white men for management positions. And then there was also a percentage, though it was lower, that was discouraging them from. Uh, hiring white women well i grew up always being told that was illegal i mean it's blatantly illegal Uh, you go into any business and they're forced to post these things about how it's illegal to hire or fire based on race yet they openly do it don't we have a new supreme court justice who was hired or actually put into that position because she's female and she's black according to the person who appointed her yes indeed tom arts thank you as always sir all right you do the same thank you very much as we continue on Veterans Day, we have a hero's breakfast. Come on out, folks. you got till 9 a.m. if you're a veteran. Get that free breakfast. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Uh, cold weather. Feels like deer season. We're doing um, something we've done in the past. Show us your best shot. Submit your deer hunting picks. It can be from prior seasons if you'd like. Just go to ksgf.com. You'll see the show us your best shot. Sponsored by Quick Draw Gun. And we will pick one of those photos. And if it is yours, then you will get a $500 gift certificate from Quick Draw Gun. $500 gift certificate. So just head over to ksgf.com. It's one of the rotating tiles you'll see up at the top. Show us your best shot. We got another hour ahead from Scramblers. These two hours have gone by so fast. It always does with a hero's breakfast on this Veterans Day until 9 o'clock. Free breakfast for veterans. That thanks to Scramblers, Delta Roofing, Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, Electrical, and Serenity Honors. News in 60 seconds. I'm Nick Reed. Yeah, I-